to the throne of grace. Uh, it's wonderful to um, just come into the presence of God and worship and pray, make all our wants and wishes known. I'll bring them all to the Father's throne, the throne of grace. Amen. Well, uh, we want to welcome today uh, our speaker, Pastor Bob Santilli. Uh, oh, that's me. <laughs> and uh, Barbara and I are so blessed to be back uh, and sharing in your uh, time of worship and praising the Lord. Um, we, um, uh, as you know, uh, Pastor Paul and Pastor Kathy and, and I go back a long way. So, and we're still friends, believe it or not. So isn't that wonderful? Um, by way of announcement, um, just to, I think two things that I have to bring to your attention. Uh, first, um, Pastor Paul will be back next Sunday, praise the Lord. Uh, we thank, thank God for that. He'll be ministering. And uh, books, free books, isn't that great? Free books are still available in the, where, where is it, in the lower level? Downstairs. So uh, we want to encourage you to take those and Use them uh, as God gives you the grace and the ability to do so. Um, well, you know, I, I tried, I thought, I gotta work a food illustration into this sermon somehow. I've, I've gained a reputation in some churches, this being one of them, of, uh, of giving a food illustration. So uh, I think I found something. So I just wanna build your sense of anticipation uh, as, uh, as we go through this uh, sermon. But I, I want to look with you today at a, at a marvelous instance, uh, occasion, occurrence uh, in the life of Jesus with his disciples. Um, uh, it's one of the uh, many miracles of Jesus. Uh, and it's one of the miracles that uh, show uh, the greatness of his, of his sovereignty uh, over, the, uh, over the created order. Uh, it's, it's the miracle of the calming of the, of the sea, the calming of the storm when they're in the boat. And we're going to read it in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35 in just a minute. But uh, I want to put it in this setting. Uh, in 1912, uh, the Titanic sailed its maiden voyage from Southampton, England, to New York City. And uh, it, was, uh, it was touted proclaimed as unsinkable. And we all know it. In fact, they've made several movies about it in different generations. But we all know what happened. Uh, the, the Titanic sank. And um, uh, there's only one ship that's really unsinkable. Uh, there's only one boat, one vessel that's really unsinkable. Uh, because no matter how much uh, human ingenuity may go to work, there's always those forces beyond control. The only unsinkable vessel is one in which Jesus dwells. Uh, and that's the lesson that these disciples learned and that God put in three Gospels. God moved to Matthew, Mark, and Luke to include this, uh, this occasion, this, this miracle in each of, of their Gospels. Uh, because God knows, uh, because he knows we need to hear something again and again. Repetition is a good teacher. And God needs to know that we uh, need to keep reminding ourselves and others, but especially ourselves, 
that uh, what makes us unsinkable is uh, nothing that's out there, uh, nothing that's here for me and my ability, but it's the presence of Jesus with me. And that's the lesson that Jesus' disciples learned, and I think this is, it's, a, this, it's a lesson that we must never forget. In fact, uh, there was a song uh, that we used to sing a long time ago when I was in the choir of the First Italian Baptist Church of Brooklyn. I sang in the choir as a teenager. It's, it's strange how God uses things to, to draw you to himself. And, and take this as a confession, but it's also a strange way of the way God works. Um, I didn't sing in a choir, but then we got a new choir director and she was cute. So I decided to join the choir. I was probably eight, 17 or 18. And um, something wonderful happened to me in that choir. And it didn't have anything to, do, anything to do with the choir director. But as we practiced these songs and anthems and hymns, singing the words again and again, the words, the meaning of the words moved from my head and to my heart. And an anthem that we sang back then was uh, based on this miracle. You know, master, the tempest is raging, the billows are tossing high, the sky is o'ershadowed with darkness, no shelter nor help is nigh. Carest thou not that we perish? How canst thou lie asleep when each moment the, when, when in each moment the, uh, Da, da, is threatening with waves from the angry deep. And then the chorus, this is where I really wanted to get. The wind and the wave shall obey thy will. Peace be still. Whether the wrath of the storm-tossed sea, or demons, or men, or whatever it be, no water can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and skies. They all shall sweetly obey his will. Peace be still. And you know, it's, 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 just, it's just important. Beloved, I want to tell you that uh, sometimes, you know, the vessels that we are in, whether it's the vessel of our body or the vessel of our family or the vessel of our community or the vessel of our church or the vessel of our society or the vessel of the world you know sometimes those vessels are sorely sorely threatened but if Christ is in us we ain't going to sink you know we're unsinkable now in this passage in Matthew chapter 4 Jesus uh, has been teaching all day. The disciples have been with him for a while. They've seen his miracles. He's been teaching all day, probably from a boat on the, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And, and then we, at the end of the, that day, he speaks to his disciples. And I want to pick up with verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. So he's, he's been teaching all day. You could just imagine uh, the strain and stress on Jesus. Because in his humanity, you see, Jesus, truly God, truly man. But Jesus, in his humanity, experienced the things that we experience. 
and one of them was fatigue and exhaustion. I think if there's, if there's anything that we could experience in our humanity, Jesus has himself experienced it in his humanity. He understands us. He knows about anxiety. He knows about depression. He knows about temptation. He knows about hunger and thirst. He knows about tiredness and exhaustion. See? So, anyway, they took him in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. I'm going to come back. Other boats were with him. That's important. It's put there for a reason for us to note, okay? And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? That's a question we often ask. Lord, don't you care? Look what's going on. Don't you care? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Now, um, the, I checked the original language on this, peace, be still. I mean, they're kind of nice words, peace, peace, be still. But the force of it in the original language is, is this, hush, be muzzled. I mean, it's a stern command of authority. It's almost like, you know, a, a master who has a dog who's barking and says, no bark. And the dog is quiet. It's, it's, that, it's that kind of exercise of, of, of authority that we see at work here. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Now, we're going to come back to that question, because I think it's a question that Jesus asks of us also. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. Now, it's, it's, it's striking to me. I'm not sure we're going to get this far in, uh, in the time we have today. But it's striking to me that, in a sense, the fear that they had at the end was greater than the fear that they had with the storm. This great fear is the sense of great wonder and awe. Uh, so great that, that it causes... I mean, a sense of fear because I don't know what's going on here. And great fear. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. So let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, that no water can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean and earth and skies. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus is our Savior and that he has seen fit to make his home in us. Lord, help us to believe. Help our unbelief. Help us to have ears to hear and hearts that can understand and receive and believe. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I want to look at this just and take it a, a little piece at a time. First, um, our frailty. 
uh, and fear. Of course, there's a sense of frailty and fear here. Um, this boat was not any Titanic. It was just kind of a fishing boat. It wasn't a big boat. And the storm was a great, great storm. I, I don't know. Do you ever think of, feel like a frail boat in a great storm? Uh, I think there are times in our lives when we do. In fact, uh, I think we're living, uh, you know, in, in especially stormy days, in, in a lot of ways. I, but I look back and I think, well, in a way, there have always been especially stormy days. I think the difference of these days from those days, for us as Americans, is that the storm of these days, is, and I'm thinking of the pandemic, has come into our very lives in a very personal way. It's not, not that we haven't had reason to fear the storms before, but this storm is, has something different about it. It's, it's very, very personal and it's all over the world, affecting the whole world. Now, I am not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, so I am not going to give a prophetic utterance here. All I can say, God is up to something. And I know that the one thing that God is always up to is to draw people to himself. All right? So, but... But whatever, you know, but sometimes it, has, it may have nothing to do with this kind of stuff that we're experiencing. It may have to do with what goes on in our own body, our own health, or in our family, the conflicts and the difficulties and the stresses and the strains and the fears and the economy. And, and look, I don't, I don't need to go over this with you. You, you. you live through it just like I do. Um, but we feel sometimes like we're frail vessels in a great storm. And um, that causes a fear to come upon us. Um, and so in verse 38, they woke Jesus up, who's asleep in the, in the, in the back of the boat on a cushion. It, it gives me a sense of how exhausted Jesus was, that even all this up and down, this bobbing, even the water coming in from the side, and Jesus must have gotten wet, but he was so dead tired that he stayed asleep. Now they go and they wake Jesus up. And they say, Master, don't you care? How common is that question? When it seems as though nothing's happening that we feel needs to happen, we say, Jesus, don't you care? They say, don't you care that we are perishing? Now, it's obvious from the way this story develops, this account develops, is that they weren't expecting Jesus to get up and do something about the storm. That was totally unexpected. They were just figuring that Jesus was going to get up and help them bail. You know, they're... they're these are, uh, some of them at least, a good number of the disciples were experienced fishermen. They, they, they were bailing. They said, don't you care what prayer? Come on, get a bucket. I mean, I think that was the intent of them waking Jesus up. 
So, the, but the fear certainly is something that we can understand. It's a very understandable reaction because it's a natural reaction. Uh, we, we react with fear uh, when we're threatened. Um, and the contrast between their fear and Jesus's peaceful sleep is very important because Jesus knew something that they didn't know. Jesus knew that boat wasn't going to sink no how, no way because his time hadn't come. Jesus knew that his time wasn't going to come from a storm on a frail boat. It was going to come on a cross on a hill when he's fulfilling the plan of the Father to bring salvation to the world. So Jesus could, could rest asleep. He was, he was peaceful. And it seems to me that sometimes our fear comes because we forget who's with us. They didn't really know who was with them at this point. They didn't understand. They couldn't know what Jesus knew. But had they known it, they may have still been bailing water. I don't think there's anything wrong with bailing water from a ship that's taking, from a boat that's taking water on. You know, I, we got to bail sometimes. We got to go to the doctor. We got to take medicine. We got to uh, apply for the job. We got to dig the ditch. We got to give our apology. We have to offer forgiveness. We have to, I, I, we know, whatever it may be. We bail. But it's not dependent on us, it's dependent on who's with us. And so we see Christ's power and Christ's challenge. And um, the sovereign power of, of, of Jesus is seen uh, in, uh, in, the, in the stilling of the storm. But there's a painting I came across by Jack Hayes. And the Lord willing, we're going to be able to get it up on the screen. Uh, this, this, uh, uh, it's a fairly modern painting. Okay. So, uh, now, you know, just take a look at it. We, we don't have a, ah, yeah, that's, that's a better view. Thank you. That shows what, what needs to be shown. So this is the place where Jesus wakes up and now he's on the very verge. You see, he's got an outstretched hand. He's looking out at the storm. By the way, there's, there's another boat out there. Of course, other boats are with him. And he's about to say, hush, be muzzled to the storm. But what's, you know what strikes me here? I mean, I, I mean, there are so many pieces of this, uh, the face of Jesus, his, his stern authority. But what strikes me is the disciples in the boat. Because if you look carefully, apart from the expressions on their face, which has some expectancy, every disciple in that boat isn't looking at the storm. Who are they looking at? They're looking at Jesus. And that's the problem with storms. They tend to take our focus off of Jesus. And so we look outward. You know, I always like the saying, and you probably, I say it so much, you probably have heard me say it, you know. Look without and be distressed. Look within and be depressed. Look to Christ and be at rest. And that's what they're doing there. They're taking a look. They're focusing their attention on Jesus. 
Uh, and so that power, you can leave that up for a while. Um, that, that power of Jesus uh, is, is, is about to be displayed, but it's their focus on him that I think is the great lesson for us. Now, I, I want to ask you, my dear Christian brothers and sisters, where, where's our focus when the storms threaten? You know, I, I, I know I need to keep focusing. Um, I, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's easy for me to worry. I've told you that before. But you know, with COVID, I have a lot of reasons I could worry. You know, I get a little tickle in my throat and I think, <laughs> I'm getting a little sore throat. You know, am I getting this? You know, or I hear of somebody who is in touch with somebody, and then I'm in touch with them, and I think, am I exposed? I mean, that's how I react. I make coffee every morning. This is not my food illustration. Uh, I make coffee every morning, and when I take the lid off of the coffee grounds, I smell them. And I think oh, I still got my sense of smell. <laughs> that, that, that's how I am. Um, but 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 but, but where, where do we put our focus? Well, I, you know, I, we all have different ways of doing this. But I, I want to say it's so important, even as we were led to the throne of grace with the worship and with the prayer uh, today, and now hopefully with the Word of God. We we need to take this into our week. You know what I mean? We can't keep it isolated. Well, we need fellowship with other believers somehow, in some way. We need to, that, that focus during the week to, 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 to keep our eyes on the, the master of ocean and earth and skies and not on the storm. And I, for instance, me. Um, I, I, pardon me for using me, but I don't think I'm so different than anybody else. So I think if I talk about me, I'm talking about some of you anyway. But I found that I need to, I need, I need to, to dedicate a certain time of each day to, to being in the presence. And now I'm always in the presence of Jesus. But to be consciously, purposefully, intentionally in the presence of Jesus. So I do various things. I'm not going to go do that with you because you have your things. But one of the things I do, one of the things I do is I pick a song of the week. In fact, I got a couple of ideas from what we were singing today for my next song of the week. I, I put on my headphones, go to YouTube. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of YouTube. I mean, when it's properly used. Uh, anyway, uh, I, go, I go to YouTube and I, I put on a song of the week and I listen to that song every single day and then I listen to it maybe more than once in a day, but I, it kind of rumbles through my mind and my heart in the course of the day. Now, a while ago, I, I, uh, I, I, I chose um, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne. Crown him now. And um, I was so blessed just worshiping Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. And the first week went by and I thought, you know, that was so good, I need to do it another week. And the second week went by and I thought, well, I need to do it another week. 
But, but just that, that focus, that act of worship, beloved, for me, jo- joined with some other things, helps me to keep my eye on the storm breaker and not the storm. You know what I mean? I, I heard something just recently. It's, oops. Did I move that? No, good. That moved and not me. Uh, I heard something just recently about a pastor in, uh, of a church in central, north central Texas um, who, uh, who got sick with COVID. It was put on uh, in order to make a case about vaccinations, but that's not what I want to bring out. And so he became uh, 49 years old. He was a weightlifter and a, and a physical trainer. He felt he was in good shape, even if he got it. It wouldn't be too bad. Well, he got very, very sick. Finally wound up in the intensive care unit of uh, Dallas Central Hospital or whatever it was. And he said he was in the um, intensive care unit and uh, he, he was really suffering the, the shortness of breath. He was, he was also on a respirator and his oxygen numbers, he could see the readout you could see the oxygen numbers were lower than, than the lowest level they should have been. And, um, and so he started to, to worship. Sing a song that they sang in their church. Uh, My God is a way maker, a way maker, miracle worker, path. What is it? Yes, yes, yeah. He started to sing that. And a nurse came into the room. She says, Mr. Reeves, she said, Mr. Reeves, what are you doing? Your oxygen numbers are going up. He says, well, I'm just worshiping God. She said, whatever you're doing, she says, keep on doing it. <laughs> you know? Now, I mean, that, that to me is, a, is a, a real life illustration of the focus that can bring the healing. Now, let's be realistic. There are wonderful Christians, and their oxygen numbers don't go back up. But they go to be with the Lord. Is that defeat? It's sad for loved ones left behind, but is it defeat? I mean, it's glory. Now, this takes faith, but I believe it to be true. As Christians, we're always in a win-win situation. Either we get healed and give glory to God or we're transformed into the presence of Christ where we worship him forever. You, you know what I'm saying? But, but in this case, this, this Danny Reeves, Pastor Danny Reeves, his focus opened the door for a healing to come from the master of ocean and earth and sky and COVID and anything else that would threaten us. Now those are bold statements. But if they're not true, then we're wasting our time. You know what I mean? If they're not true, then who's, who are we kidding? So we need to put ourselves into that place where we can worship God. Well, you know what, Gee, it's time, time flies when you I always say time flies even if you're not having fun, but time flies especially when you're preaching. 
<laughs> so I, I, I better move on to a close. Anyway, the storm ceased. Um, the, uh, they asked, who is this? And um, Jesus didn't answer. He didn't have to. But he's the eternal son of God, the word made flesh who dwelt among us. And then later on they could say he's the one who died. And he rose again on the third day. And he ascended into heaven. This is who it is and he pours out his spirit upon us. The spirit of Jesus, by the way. So Jesus is present with us. I mean, they had the advantage of the physical Jesus in a boat, but we have the presence of Jesus wherever we may be. We don't have to be with him. He's with us. I, 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 you get the difference? Now, I mean, for instance, take the air in this room. Now, we're not aware, we can't see or feel the air, but it's here because we could experience its effects. Um, the air in this room is, exerts an air pressure. The atmosphere goes up and up and up, and those, those molecules of oxygen and nitrogen have, are attracted by gravity in such a way that it exerts a, a pressure right here around us. We, we don't feel it because it's all around us, but if you take this water bottle, it's got a little water in it. I knew I'd need a drink about now. The pause that refreshes. But if I take this water bottle and I suck the air out of it, the pressure of the air will do what? It'll crush the bottle. Look. I hope it worked. <laughs> Look at that. A demonstration of the reality of the presence of air all around us even though we don't see it or feel it or touch it. And Christ by his spirit is, is present with us. We don't see physically but he reveals his presence to us by giving us peace. You know, by giving us joy in the midst of trouble. By giving us faith to believe even when we feel as though we don't have faith by the, giving us the ability to, to, to keep on keeping on when we want to give up, and he gives us strength. You know, he manifests his presence to us. He's, he's with us, not in the atmosphere, beloved, but he's dwelling in us by his spirit in, his, in our hearts. And so, the, Christ is the, is the one who stills the storm, and no water can swallow the ship where lies the master of ocean, earth, and skies. And then in, in, that, in that painting, there are those other boats that are with him. Now, it's interesting to me that the gospel writer wants to point that out, that other boats were with them. Now, what did they experience? Well, they didn't quite see that, but they experienced the calm and the peace their storm stopped because of what Jesus did. 
And uh, this is what I would call collateral blessing. You know, we hear a lot about collateral damage, but there's such a thing as collateral blessing. When God blesses us and our mouths proclaim his praise and we thank God, there's a blessing that goes out to others, you know? It's like, the, here's my food illustration. Uh, it's, it's like uh, uh, my wife, Barbara, uh, made recently made banana nut muffins for her grandson. Of course, he likes banana nut muffins, and that's what grandmothers should do. You know, they should feed their grandchildren. And um, I smelled those muffins. You know, it's nothing like the smell of a of a freshly baking muffin. Uh, that fills the house. I smell those muffins. And when they came out, I thought, well, they can't all just be for him. <laughs> so I got a muffin, and I opened it up. Now, some of you would put, whipped, uh, would put butter on it, but I got whipped cream, and I put whipped cream all over it, and I got a fork, and I, I was collaterally blessed. <laughs> now, that's a silly illustration, but it's a, it makes a point that when God blesses us and our mouths proclaim his praise, and, and it doesn't have to be in very, uh, well, however we choose to do it, we just share a blessing. There's a collateral blessing that goes out to others because God is concerned not only for us, but he's concerned for those who are far away. Because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So as we put our trust in Jesus, as we fix our attention on him, then we are blessed, but there's something that flows from us. Paul, in another place, and I think maybe Corinthians, I'm sorry, I, I should have looked it up before I came, I just thought of it. But it talks about us being an aroma for Christ. You know, an aroma of salvation for Christ that others can have. So, Jesus is our way maker. There is another great hymn uh, I, I love called Be Still My Soul. And the second verse is taken straight from this event. The verse says, be still my soul, thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake, all now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves and winds still know his voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. And I'm so glad that they do. And that with Christ in this frail vessel, in these frail vessels, we're unsinkable. Let's pray. Lord, give us grace.